Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's your favorite co-host, Nick Bogart. Joining me tonight is Tim. Tim is actually here. Yes, I am. Shut Our up, wedding, Tim. Nick one actually likes you. <laughs> <laughs> Along with us tonight is Benson Green of Mindworm Games, and he's coming on to talk about his Wild West game, Exiles. How are you doing, Benson? I'm doing great. How y'all doing? I'm Pretty doing good. awesome. Well, thanks very much for having me on. This is very exciting. It's a, it's a very cool podcast. I didn't uh, know about it until uh, Nick shot me a message on Facebook. But uh, I've listened uh, through all the episodes now, and I'm sort of eager for more. And I'm glad I get to be part of that. Awesome. We're always glad to you know make new fans, especially after we randomly message you. <laughs> you have no idea how many weird messages I get on Facebook now that I have a little miniatures company. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I, I probably don't, but you send enough weird messages of your own, so <laughs> I think it evens out. We had a handwritten note with a wooden penis drawn inside of the care package. <laughs> well, that's, yes. uh, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's my fault. Um, I, I, normally when I, everybody who buys an Exiles product gets a, a handwritten note, uh, sent to them. I, I, I we really believe in, uh, in giving people a really, um, uh, uh, personalized experience. It's a big part of what uh, what makes Mindworm Games Mindworm Games. Unfortunately for Nick, I was writing you know, we're, I was writing a note about how you know these are our actual products and that we package them just like this and we're not doing anything special for you. And then I read the note halfway through and I'm like, this is really fucking boring and there's not much space left on my card here. So I guess the only thing to do to make it more exiles is just to draw a giant cock on it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> And it was it was amusing, especially because I had the stuff for like a whole week and it was on this really nice like I've got pictures of the board where, you know, I set it in front of stuff. Never once thought to flip it over. I'm just like, hey, this is just kind of a really neat thing when you open the box and it's sitting there. So I take it up to the game store and I'm pulling out stuff to show off to people. And and all of a sudden something happens where it flips over and I'm like. Oh, holy shit, there's a giant penis on the back of that. <laughs> <laughs> Not my intention. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes but magic happens. More hilarious because then I could share it with everybody. Yeah, and then after that, everybody at the game store was like, oh, do tell us more. So it worked <laughs> out in your favor. To, you know, just maybe do that from now on. Just don't even sign your name anymore. Just make your signature a giant penis. <laughs> For no reason. That's part of the mind worm. Exactly. Awesome. So definitely. Now to get you know penis out of our heads, um, let's talk about exiles. All right. <laughs> oh, we're getting letters. Letters? What? Or notes? Whichever. I'm sure we'll get a couple <laughs> dislikes on iTunes because we said penis about. Well, how many times have we said penis now? I don't know, I, I, but I think it keeps What's going up. Thereof. Okay. I up the ante, you know. I, I listened to your podcast and figure it was okay to um, to be, uh, you know, to freely express myself. I've been on a oh. few podcasts that are family friendly, oh, and uh, I thought that. I could just let myself <laughs> off the leash here. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, don't even put your leash on. It's totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> just go full frontal. It's to, you know, we've already proven that in what we haven't even been, what recording for five minutes yet, and. <laughs> I'm sure at this point we'd be considered a rated X podcast for the amount of times that we've said cock penis or some variation thereof. There you go. Now I'm in a good club. See, you said it too. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All I, all I can think of, especially since they're recording the second one, is Super Troopers, and and how many times can you fit meow into this? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Except for we're doing it with penis. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, we like to think that uh, uh, the Wild West was a very colorful place. And uh, one thing that's nice about Exiles is that it's not a historical game. It's not a historical fantasy game like Deadlands or something like that. It's a it's a uh, a fantasy world that we built from the ground up. Now, it feels a lot like a Wild West setting because it is very Wild West. But the reason why we built a fantasy game from the from the a fantasy world from the ground up is so that we could make it as wild and westy as we wanted without constraints from history and stuff like that. So, you know, we wanted to make it as colorful as we wanted. So I usually say that our, our, our whores are dirtier, our politicians are fatter, and our guns are smokier than anything in any other Wild West game. Awesome. Sweet. I can definitely get behind that. <laughs> so explain this whores are dirtier thing and the rest of it. 
Oh, yeah. So Exiles, like I said, it's a, it's a fantasy world from the ground up. And the reason why we did that is because we, we want to make it sort of a hyper Wild West setting. It has, you know, some fantasy elements from uh, a little bit of steampunk stuff and a little bit of Victorian fantasy or science fiction, some, some you know, Lovecraftian horror elements in there. But primarily what we want is a Wild West game that's sort of hyper true to the genre where um, everything is, you know, there's like, there's way more bank robberies than there ever would have been. And, you know, every, the, all the tropes are turned up to 11. And so that's why I say our, our, our whores are dirtier and our politicians are fatter because uh, we like to take those, those Wild West tropes and, and turn them up to 11 across the board. So kind of like an 80s B movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's a great observation, Tim. Um, I, I normally say when people ask about our film influences, and we have a plenty of them, I'm a huge film buff. But uh, when I talk about our film influences with people, I normally say that although I have all these really cool film influences for Exiles, it really Exiles really is more like a B movie. So the number one uh, film influence for Exiles, I would say, is Cannibal the Musical. I don't know if you know that movie. Yes, fondly. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Cannibal the Musical is like the, 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 the guiding soul of Mindworm games. And then, you know, things like the Valley of Guanji and um, some cool, you know, B movie Westerns. Those are all, uh, all kind of turned into the mix of what makes exiles so attractive and fun for, at least for me, hopefully other people also find it fun. Awesome. So besides filthy whores and fat politicians, tell us a little bit more about the world. Like you, you kind of touched upon the fact that you, you designed your own Western universe if you want to call it that so tell us a little bit about it, it like what you've worked on what you what you're personally proud of and then we'll we'll kind of take it from there perfect yeah so um strangely enough exiles has been around for a very long time my business partners uh actually came up with the game as a and made it into a role-playing game way back in the day like when i was in high school i was playing this game they were running games and i was having fun with them so they, they actually created the setting a long time ago and there's been, you know, a decade or more of stories and settings and, you know, adventures that we've written for various incarnations of the game. So what happened is I, I played with them for a long time. And then when I went off to college in Ohio, I took the game with me and I ran it for people up there for a very long time. And they ran it for people and they started their own groups and people, you know, in other places in the country, they picked up the game. And so we have a whole rich history for the game world. that's sort of been organically developed. And we're all just, we're very excited to keep pulling in these elements and putting them into the, the new incarnation of the tabletop games. Nice, nice. So the, the one thing I noticed with this is that you said it was being developed as an RPG, but this very much feels like an RPG miniatures hybrid. Am I correct in that? Yeah, absolutely. I usually say that Exiles is like a miniatures game, a game banged an RPG and they left the baby outside to die. I think that's actually in the rule book somewhere. So, Fantastic. I brought it. Yeah, I know. Exactly right. So I know I was never able to say that on a podcast before, but yeah, that's actually in the rule book. Um, <laughs> you know, the reason why I say that is because Exiles plays like an RPG. So it has a, a classic RPG setup where you have a game master who's playing all the bad guys and everybody controls one character and there's a lot of character depth. There's a lot of character development and there's a rich narrative that you're playing through. But once you put models on the table, it plays like a fast, furious skirmish war game. And so you get kind of the best of both worlds there. Uh, a little fun story about Exiles is when my business partners first proposed the, the, the core ideas for how we were going to do this game. I thought they were crazy. And I said, you know, it seems to me that in trying to do this, we are going to end up making a shitty role-playing game and a shitty miniatures game. <laughs> but we ended up making something that was really cool. It's, it's terribly surprising. I had no idea it would come out so good. Yeah, I can honestly say that uh, after doing all the stuff I've done in the game industry, there's a very, very fine line there. It's kind of like that they say is between, you know, that fine line between genius and insanity. It's almost the same thing when it comes time to game design. So you can look at something and be like, wow, this is a giant steaming pile. And then somebody <laughs> says one thing, like one buzzword, and you're like, it all makes sense now. Go forward and do things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. So tell us a little bit about the gameplay itself. So we got we got some RPG. We got some miniatures. Our podcast listeners are very familiar with both, but I know a lot of them are probably going, I've played some shitty hybrids before. I've played some that don't quite make sense. I'm looking at you. Trinity from back in the day, White Wolf, but I'll get into that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, so walk us through that. Like, 
what is what is the defining elements of each, and how do you, how do you blend them? Sure. Well, I'll start off by saying that uh, generally speaking, I think that the market is moving more towards narrative in your miniatures games and in your board games, at least in some parts of the the, the hobby. And certainly, that's what I really like. You know, I I, I was uh, I grew up on Gorkamorka and Necromunda and uh, uh, Mordheim, and it seemed like what we were always trying to do with our skirmish games is to put more story into it, put more story into it. But the the basic limiting factor or one of the big limiting factors in creating a story for a, a skirmish war game in a kind of typical format that you normally see is that it's you know you versus me it's player versus player and it's my group of dudes versus your group of dudes and we have to kind of create a story around us both you know having a group of dudes that are trying to get get one over on each other and so there's a you know in like 40k for example there's a rich fictional universe it's amazing it's got all these books and these games and you can you can there's plenty of room to imagine what you want to create on the tabletop and put all this effort into your army and you can create these really cool narratives for that little snapshot in time of the battle you're fighting and you can even create some crazy you know uh, narratives with uh, campaign systems and whatnot, but it's still fairly limiting in sort of the depth you can go in the story. Like right? the depth is kind of hard to achieve. And so, what I wanted to do with Exiles is bring that narrative depth uh, from a role play, get with a role playing game, bring it more uh, centrally into the skirmish war game. So, the basic, like I said, the basic setup for Exiles is that you have a, a game where you have a game master and every player controls one character on the table. Um, and so what you're doing on the tabletop is uh, you're playing through usually a narrative set of scenarios. So, so a set of games that are kind of narratively linked into stories. So our, like, for example, our first campaign set is called Troy Hatcher and the Scarbelly Gang. And that includes a 20 game campaign that unfolds over, you know, like a, a, a several different narrative tracks. So you have like a three part story. Each part has a certain number of scenarios that play through it. And so you can kind of play through that whole thing and kind of create the story you want to create. But I didn't want to create a, you know, a slow playing ro- role playing game. You know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to, I want, also wanted to play, uh, to create a game where you're pushing miniatures around the table. Cause I really like that. And you can play a, a bunch of quick games in succession. So that's another thing that uh, people really like about skirmish war games, and I really like about skirmish war games is that you can bang out, you know, one or two games fairly quickly, and uh, and you know get get some more fun in. Right. So we did, yeah. Yeah. So what we did is we created a uh, a game system that puts you right into the action, that puts you right into the narrative without requiring you to go any deeper than that. And it has uh, uh, the core is a is a tight little uh, skirmish system that's actually deceptively tactile, uh, 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 tactical. Okay, cool. So before we touch on that, I kind of want to go back to some of the things you were talking about when it came time to like timing of games and whatnot. Now, one of the things I've seen in the past with a lot of like the the miniature RPG hybrids is that if you have the game master playing as a whole group of people and you've got essentially the players either playing one to two models by themselves, what stops the game from slowing to a crawl? Because that's one thing that, like, if you try doing a lot of, like, map-based miniatures heavy, even, like, Dungeons and Dragons, it feels like you could be sitting there for damn near an hour before you even move your miniature, like, five squares on a grid. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, One thing that Exiles is not is a game that gets bogged down. Um, In fact, a lot of people ask me, you know, how many, uh, you know, what's the maximum number of players? And usually what I say is uh, we haven't found a maximum number of players. Like we haven't found a number of players where the game itself breaks down. What breaks down is the room to fit, the, fit to fit people around a table. So like you physically can't put any more people around the table. And so you sort of run out of space to play the game. Uh, but the way we, the way we keep the game really fast is uh, one, one uh, big component of it is timed turn. So one of our game phases is timed. It has a 20-second timer, which is, seems really, really short, but when you get into the game and feel how fast it goes and how quick, uh, quickly it is to play, 20 seconds can sometimes seem like a luxurious amount of time. And then we also des- develop this simultaneous play mechanic. And there's lots of simultaneous play mechanics, but the, the gist of it in Exiles is that when it comes time for the, the, the players, or we call them characters, when it comes time for the characters to do what they're going to do in this game phase, everybody does things at the same time with no particular organization other than what you want to give to it. Hmm. Okay. So there, there is no like sit back and let's talk about it. It's like, okay, now everybody acts. 
Yeah, exactly. It's like, all right, it's a moving phase. I'm going to hit the timer. You have 20 seconds to do your moving phase action. And then when you're done doing your moving phase, then it's time for the, the governor. The game master we call the governor because it's more westerny. And then the governor does all the moving with the bad guys. Of course, that's not timed. But you can do it fairly quickly. And then, you know, we just say, all right, it's a doing phase. What are you guys doing? Mark, what are you doing? Uh, Bill, what's your character doing? Carl, what are you doing? And one of the great things about the way the system works is that you, you need very little information from anybody else on the table to do your shit, right? And that's one of the, uh, the most important things that I, I, about the, our philosophy and game design with Exiles is that we don't want you to be bothering with anybody else's shit while you're doing your shit because that slows the game down. Like if I have right. to get your attention and ask, like, what's your armor value, right? And you're doing something else. You're not paying attention. I can't do my thing until you give me that armor value. So I'm stuck. Right. You're kind of st- stuck there sitting like an asshole waiting to roll your dice just when you want to shoot this guy in the face without going, well, do I got to aim first or can I just plug in? Exactly. You know, right. I'm waiting, I'm waiting on a stat. Exactly. Right. So we wanted to remove that as much as possible. There's still some elements in there of that, but we, we minimize them as, as much as humanly possible. So... What, like, if you're going to shoot a dude, for example, shooting happens a lot in Exiles because it's a Wild West game. So if you're going to shoot a dude, all the information you need to shoot that dude is all on your end. So you're, you control all of it. And as the governor, all I need to know from you is I shot that dude, I hit him with a rifle. All right? And then I'm like, all right, you hit that dude with a rifle, and now all that information, that's all the information I need, and I can go ahead and make my roll for that guy because uh, all my defenses are based on uh, my miniature perspective to your miniature like we don't need to negotiate any of our rules right you just tell me you hit me that's fine and then i roll my dice to see if i defend against that hit and so when you're running the game as the governor it's very easy to be doing multiple things at once so what i normally do when i'm running the game is if people aren't like playing quickly i just call on people like what are you doing what are you doing what are you doing what are you doing and i keep calling on people while people are doing their stuff and what i what i want to hear as the governor is oh I shot that guy. I'm like, all right, fine, great. I'm doing my stuff over here. Oh, I, I shot that guy. All right, great. Um, because a lot of the times, I don't even need information from you about what you're doing. Like, if you if you're gonna make your character haul ass, we call it haul ass, and and when you're running really fast, if you're gonna make your character haul ass, you just put a token on the table. That's it, and it gets resolved later. If you're gonna, you know, doctor somebody up, you know, you put a token on the table, and when it's time to resolve stuff, you just go ahead and resolve it, or you just resolve it anyway, right? You resolve it out of phase and out of turn structure because. In Exiles, one of the core philosophies is fast is better than correct. And uh, although the game has a really tight uh, order of operations, a guiding philosophy in how the game should be played is that you should know the rules well enough so that you know when to break them. Okay, cool. So it it's not system heavy. It's or I shouldn't say system heavy, but it's it's not as reliant on a system to move it forward compared to a structured lack thereof, I guess is a good way to put it. You've simplified it down to where it's like, this is the only thing I need to roll dice for. Past that, just tell me what you're going to do. Do your shit. Next player. Yeah, yeah. And just do, and if if your stuff is not going to affect anybody else's stuff, just finish all your stuff. Like if if we're all having a gunfight on one part of the table and your character is way off in the boonies, um, just do your whole game turn and then go get a beer, right? Like, it doesn't matter because nothing that nothing you do right now, this turn, is going to have anything impact on what anybody else is doing. So just go ahead and do it. Gotcha. Okay. So at that point, you just might go over there and, I don't know, dig through the bushes and rape a chicken. And then you're just like, <laughs> hey, I just raped the chicken. I'm going to go <laughs> grab a beer. Yeah, and exactly. Right. You, the yeah. governor, you're like, cool. Thanks for raping my chicken. And you just go grab a beer. Yeah, yeah. Thanks very much for, for doing that. You know, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's, that's kind of how to the party. Didn't, yeah. didn't like that chicken anyways. Exactly, exactly. Right. I really love that. Or uh, for, for our loyal Exiles fans, you go hang out in Gangbang Alley. And uh, it's, a little, it's a little inside joke that uh, our playtesters will, will, will recognize. Cool. Now, here's my question. Do you have a rule built into the game that actually helps pause your turn for you to go grab a drink? Because what if somebody <laughs> wants to go fancy and comes back with a Southern Comfort Old Fashioned? I'm just saying. You know, that's a great question, and the answer is, fuck no. <laughs> there's, no there's no rule to pause the game. Uh, if you, if you want to go grab a drink, go grab a drink, and, you know, whatever happens, happens. Now, the nice thing about Exiles is that, unlike a game like 40K, right, 40K plays really slowly, and not only does it, does it play slowly, but in, in, in an entire game, you're going to have, like, six turns, seven turns, right? 
And so if you miss a turn, if like one of your units doesn't do something or you forget a rule or you miss a game turn, that's a huge percentage of your effectiveness on the table throughout the entirety of the game. Whereas in Exiles, because it plays so quickly, game turns are like, are like an average, I think, about 90 seconds. If for people who know what they're doing, game turns literally average about 90 seconds. Sometimes a little bit shorter, sometimes a little bit longer. But in a 45-minute game, you might get 20, 25 game turns. So if you miss a game turn, it really doesn't matter. And that's part of what we developed into the system is uh, a game that plays quickly enough and simply enough so that it's okay to make mistakes because it's not a catastrophic amount of your efficacy on the table. Okay, cool. So it it, it doesn't you, – you don't have, like, a, a timed out, like, we're going to play till this point. Unless it's specifically built into the scenario, like you have this amount of time to get out of the mine before it explodes, or something like that. Yeah, exactly. And we have can, we have some we have some games like that where there's a timer. In fact, we're we're going to be releasing a a free downloadable campaign, little mini campaign, fairly soon, and it does have a scenario that's timed where you're on a, a train that's going off off the rails, and you have to disconnect the uh, the cars from the engine before it wrecks. And so that 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 game is literally it's like it's like ten turns, and. Uh, It'll go for 10 turns, and then either the train wrecks or you stop it before it wrecks. Okay, cool. So in a case like that, what happens with the characters? So I assume because of the fact that we talked a lot of the miniatures-heavy side of it, now a lot of that does lend itself to some RPG elements, but a lot of people are going to ask, do characters level up? Is there non-combat actions that are taken during games? Things of that nature. Things you'd normally see in most of your newer... I don't even want to say newer, but not-so-combat-heavy RPGs? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the answer to that is, uh, is yes and no. Uh, so characters, they, uh, they don't level up because it's uh, Exiles. We try to, again, we try to keep everything very simple. So it's a, it's a point-by system. There's no levels. You just get experience points, which we call learning because it's more Western-y. So you get your learning, and whenever you want, you spend that learning on your skills. Every skill costs a certain amount of learning to buy. And your character is just in a mass of your learning and your skills. Um, but that said, there's a whole lot of depth to the, uh, to the character development. There's lots of things to spend your learning on. There's lots of different effective builds you can create for characters. And in terms of are there non-combat things to do in the game? Well, one of our uh, philosophies when we do scenario design, when we design our campaigns and when we design our individual scenarios in those campaigns, is we make sure that there's lots of things that are going on that are not combat related. So like the first scenario in the Troy Hatcher and the Scarbelly gang, the very first event, um, scenarios, by the way, are broken down into individual games uh, that combine into one sort of thing that's going on that has a discrete objective. Because uh, we like we, th- that's the way we break up the action uh, in terms of like how long you're playing is we we create these very simple discrete objectives in in in, in uh, individual games and then we string those games together into a scenario and we string those scenarios in, together into a campaign. So in an uh, in the first event your stagecoach wrecks and you're trying to protect a, a cash box. And so the first game, you're just getting attacked and you, the game is over when you kill all the dudes that are attacking you. And that's like the, the, the simplest, most you know, understandable uh, game, uh, game set up for like a, for like war gamers. Just like, you know, your dudes versus their dudes. When their dudes are dead, you're done. Right. So we made, we wanted to make sure we started out the first campaign just like that. But the second event, you have to get the cash box and get off the table because you know, a, a bigger, badder bad guy shows up and uh, you're trying to escape with the money or else the bad guys are going to get it and it's going to have uh, implications for the rest of the, that part of the campaign. And so, you know, fighting helps. It's very useful to kill people while you're trying to get that cash box off the table. But a lot of what you're doing is figuring out how to work cooperatively to move that heavy-ass cash box across the table without having everything get bogged down and getting slaughtered by bad guys. And then other, other games have lots of other stuff, like you might be, you know, inside a burning building and trying to escape or... You know, you might be um, trying to find which of these whores is the whore you're looking for. Like, so the table might be covered in all these, like, you know, numbered, you know, secretly numbered dudes. And you're like, all right, which one of those dudes is the dude we're looking for? And the governor's bad guys might also be looking for the same dude. And so, again, fighting is part of it because, you know, you're, you're you know, it's, it's always useful to shoot somebody. But your primary objective is not directly tied to me killing your dudes. Gotcha. Okay, so there are different ways of winning the game other than just I'm going to murder everything that's sitting out there. Yeah, exactly. And then we also made sure to put in a few skills that you could, if you wanted to like go in, in more depth into the role playing, right? If you wanted to go more depth into the role playing, we do have some skills that can be used in sort of a non-combat way. We use them in some of our scenarios. 
Um, but we call these rolling skills because you know a lot of times you'll make a you'll roll against the skill. Exiles is a roll. I should say it's a roll under system with a d10. So you're always trying to roll. You're always rolling a, a d10, and you're trying to roll equal to or less than a number. And so your skill then is going to be one to nine, and that's a rolling skill. And so it might be you know your your strength, which is like you know lifting stuff or whatnot, or you know your finesse, which is you know like being dexterous. But then we also have the cheating and lying skill, which is kind of like a gestalt of your social interactions. And so in some games, there's there's reasons to use that cheating and lying skill, and that can be very helpful in some situations. But if you wanted to take it into a more of a, a, a deeper kind of role playing experience, and you wanted to figure out like what's going on with these characters in between these games where we're pulling out guns and we're shooting people. You have some tools in that toolbox that you can use to resolve some of those conflicts if you need a die roll. But then again, when it comes to straight up role playing games, I'm, I'm much more in the philosophy of, you know, you should be making as few die rolls as possible because you only should, you should only be making die rolls when it's dramatically appropriate. If you're playing a proper role playing game. I'm right there with you on that one, man. Definitely. That's one of the things that's always bugged me. Like, you know, I've gone, I've gone back a few times and played like classic Dungeons and Dragons and things like that. And it starts falling into like the old Greyhawk feel. And I remember seeing this a lot in comic books when I was younger and, you know, kind of going off tangent here for a second. But I remember when Greyhawk first came out as like their official uh, setting and they had a picture of like this dude with a sword and he was supposed to be, I don't know if he was like some sort of half demon or some possessed dude or something like that. But they basically, it basically said, I don't care what he is, just kill it. And, like, that was always kind of, like, the, the, the thought process behind, like, second edition D&D is that you're all just a bunch of kleptomaniac murder hobos running around the world doing whatever. And Ooh, no one's murder hobos. <laughs> so well, it, you know, it, it always seemed like it didn't matter how diplomatic you were or how smart you were or anything else. It just came down to, can I murder this guy sitting across the table from me? But at, but at the same time, you know, hobos ride trains, so wouldn't wouldn't murder hobos totally fit? <laughs> uh, I, I was gonna yeah, I was gonna say that um, I I couldn't I, I I would be lying if I said that Exiles wasn't wasn't a game partly of murder hobos. Um, but the the you know so there are you know there are some hobos. There's like a I think yeah we 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 literally have a have a bad guy type called hobos that you'll see at some point in the game. But um, <laughs> in terms of 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 yeah, you know, this motor hobo uh, role playing or RPG aspect uh, in terms of the, the 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 design of the setting. Exiles, like I said, it's a, it's a Wild West setting, and we make it really, really gritty. It's a really like the I mean, the game is called Exiles because no one wants to be on the frontier. Like anybody who's there is there because they they can't be anywhere else. They're exiled. They're essentially de facto exiled to the frontier. Um, it's a horribly grim, dour place, um, and nothing good ever happens. And so. Um, the characters sort of wind up in, in, in a very gray area. Like exiles, like I, I like to make my exile stories live in a, in a gray area where, where you, you, it's like you look at what your characters are doing and you're like, are we the good guys? Like, I don't know. Like it reminds me of this, this movie, The Box Trolls, where I've, I've got kids, right? So I watch all these kids' movies. Although Laika makes movies that are amazing and you should watch all of them. Uh, but anyhow, the box in the box trolls, these two bad guys spend the entire time debating, entire movie debating whether whether or not they're actually the the the, the good guys or the bad guys because <laughs> they're doing all these horrible things. But they're like, it's justifiable, I guess. Like, I think that's what we're supposed to be doing. Like, that's what we're doing. Um, yes, great movie. <laughs> yeah, but in uh in, in Exiles, yeah, you like you're all some bad shit is always going down. Uh, a good example is in the Troy Hatcher and the Scarblade Gang. Not to give out too many spoilers. Uh, so if you don't want spoilers. Uh, dim your volume for you know like two minutes. Um, in the in the campaign, there's there's one event where you're working for this railroad baron guy who you had hired you for some other way earlier in the campaign and sort of double crossed you, but you, it's all right. You, you paid you good money, so you're working for this guy again. And uh, the the job is to go beat up these anarchists who are like dynamiting railroad tracks because they don't you know they they don't believe in the in the system or whatever. And uh, and so you're you're there and you're beating up all these people in this saloon. So it's a, it's you know, it's a bar fight. So you're in a saloon fight, and then uh, halfway through the scenario, um, once you beat up all the guys, the uh, the bad guys you're working with are like, all right, now let's kill them all. <laughs> and so the, the 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 scenario is designed so that you can just say, all right, he's paying us. Let's just kill these guys, I guess. Um, but you can also say, well, they're not really anarchists. They're just a rival railroad company. And you're trying to murder them so that, you know, <laughs> you don't have to compete with their company anymore. And you can kind of switch sides if you want. So um, that's a kind of 
decent example of the, the, the gray area that I like to keep exiles in. Yeah, because it's always a good thing to not have heroes in the Wild West. Like, that's one of the things I've always liked about that setting is that it's, you know, it is kind of the frontier. It is, like you were saying, it's law, the gun, and that could have a very, very, very loose interpretation of what that means. <laughs> well, yeah, you're, you're, you're people of violence, right? So you're on the frontier, and the characters are all, you know, men of violence, to, you know, to, to use a you know, an academic sort of term. Uh, you're people of, of means, and, and a large part of your means is, is the violence that you bring to the table. And that's, that's where a lot of your, you know, and, and the idea behind a lot of the campaigns is that's a lot of where your work comes from, right? Whether you're a gunslinger or a trapper or a gentleman or a doctor, a lot of your work comes from the fact that you know how to use a gun and you're not afraid to use it, right? Um, whereas everybody else, it's just, you know, a random bystander. And like, well, what am I going to do? At some point on the frontier, you have to, you have to enforce laws or rules or morality with violence. Right. Hands in the air, prepare to resist kind of thing going on. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's a, that's a theme in some of my favorite Westerns, like Appaloosa um, in terms of the book and the movie. uh, One of my favorite Westerns, but that's a big theme. And so the, our, our more modern uh, kind of darker Westerns is this idea about, um, people love violent means and to get a little, you know, academic about it. I really should be talking about how cool my game is on your podcast, but to get a little academic about it, it's sort of like that, that whole thing with, uh, with Lancelot, right. And the Arthurian legends. And uh, the idea was, you know, everybody knows Lancelot can kick anybody's ass. Right. And so if he champions somebody, what does that mean? Does that mean he's ordained by God to be right? Or does it just mean he can kick anybody's ass and is right because he's a person of violence? Because he has those violent means, right? And so that's you know that's so the uh, my the, the kind of wild west I like is that wild west plus lots of dick jokes obviously to get to get to get back on on uh, to get back on message <laughs> plus lots of dick jokes. <laughs> well, you know sometimes they help. But uh, so speaking of dick jokes, t- tell us a little bit more about uh, some of the other mechanics in the game. Like we kind of covered a little bit about the fact that it's a very simple system. You could have a whole bunch of turns in one game. Now, one of the things you haven't really touched on yet is the governor himself. Like, obviously, he's got a set of rules that he sticks to. Now, his are a lot, I guess, a lot more freeform. But uh, yeah, all right. So, so w- w- with respect to the governor, I, I don't want anybody listening to this thing to come up, come back with the apprehension that. You had Exiles is the kind of game where like one person has to run the game and like I'm I'm the governor and I'm always the governor. Fuck that. That's one of the things I don't like about role playing games is that like I wrote a campaign and we're gonna play my campaign or like we can't play D and D unless Barry is running his campaign. Like fuck that. Uh, we try to make being the governor incredibly simple, and so I usually say if you can play Exiles, you can be the governor. And we like to try to encourage people to rotate out being the governor during a campaign. So in a perfect world, in my, in my view of Exiles, the person being the governor should also have a character in the same campaign. Even if you're going to be the governor for an entire campaign set box, even if you're going to be the governor for like three or four scenarios, you should have a character. And your character has those rules for how your character gets more learning and more loop. And then what we build into the, the, the game is a system that encourages the gov- that gives rewards to the governor's character and that's, again, one way we're trying to encourage people to, to pick up that governor mantle and run a game or two now and then. But if you want me to walk you through a game turn and kind of give you an idea about how this thing goes, Exiles has four game, uh, phases per game turn. Uh, most of them don't, nothing, uh, very little happens in, in two of them. So it starts off with the animals and idiots phase. The animals and idiots phase is primarily where the governor puts more bad guys on the table. Right. And then if there's any like animals or idiots on the table, then usually that stuff will happen with them at that point. And then it's the move in phase and the move in phase uh, is broken into a, a character's part and the, and the bad guys part. So generally one of the rules with exiles is that characters always go before bad guys and the move in phase has a 20 second timer. And so the governor will start the move in phase by hitting a timer. Uh, and on our website, we have downloadable some lovely 20 second uh, piano uh, tracks that were done by uh, Squeak Steel, my favorite saloon pianist. Anyhow, so we have the, you start a timer, and then the characters have 20 seconds to, to do whatever they're going to do in the moving phase. They, you know, pick their model up and move it, or they declare an action, or they move around their item cards to a way that they like, or they get something out of their backpack. And then when the timer is over, the governor then just moves his bad guys, right? So I'm going to move my guy here and here and here and here, and I'm going to drop a token here and here. Uh, 
And then you go right to the doing phase, which is the other main phase of the game. And just like the moving phase, characters go first, and they all have one action they can do in the doing phase. And there's no organization as to how they do that. So you can shoot that dude right there while I'm moving, while I'm you know hauling ass my guy, and you're reloading a gun, and we're all kind of doing it at the same time. And then once you're done doing that, I'm I, I'm the governor. I do all my stuff with my guys. You know, he shoots you. He shoots you. He runs over here. He stabs you with a knife. He you know uh, you know picks up the cash box. And then the last phase of the game is the roundup phase, and that's just for handling any lingering bullshit that was left over. So if there's some scenario rule that you need to resolve in the roundup phase, you do that. Or if there's like a if there's like a hissing explosive on the table, like a bomb's going shh, like a stick of dynamite is on the table, you roll for that in the roundup phase. Then you go right to an animals and idiots phase. Governor puts models back on the table if you killed a bunch of dudes, and then you hit that timer. Go right back to the moving phase. So the tempo of the game is really quick. Nice. Okay, cool. So even so, even though there's not like a dedicated governor all the time, it's not like if Nick's going to run the campaign and he's got to, you know, do something with the kids one night that we're just out of the game or we can't play. It, it all comes down to somebody just jumps in and says, yep, okay, I'm going to be governor. Here's the scenario. Five minutes of setup. Here we go. Yeah, exactly, and that's what we try to make sure we uh, we, we we encourage in the the way in the way we write the rules and the way we design our campaigns. So every scenario, um, the idea behind scenarios is that they all take place in like a single place in time, right? So you like in the in the scenario I described earlier, your 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 stagecoach gets attacked by the outlaws, and you're trying to save the save the money or run away and, and leave the money behind. Either way. That's the scenario, but it's broken up into two games, right? Two little 30, 45 minute games. So you can stop at 30, 45 minutes and say, all right, that's enough for tonight. Or you can play that second game, finish out the scenario, and then next time somebody else can, can run a different scenario. But the, um, um, if Nick was the governor last time, we don't need him to be the governor this time. And so you might say, all right, well, Nick isn't here. I'll be the governor this time, whatever. And then you pick up uh, your scenario and it'll tell you, it'll give you like a, a two or three sentence description of what's going on. Um, so you have like, all right, well, this is what the scenario is about. And then there's a little like five paragraph story that you read to the players, right? So uh, this is what's going on right before you start shooting guns. And it brings you right into the story. And then you just hit that first timer and go. And all the rules for every scenario uh, or every event that we do, every game, um, is uh, is on a two-page spread in one of our little mini rulebooks. So we, have, we use a dime novel format, which is six inches by four inches. So it fits on a little two-page spread. And we make sure we do that consistently every single time. So all you have to do is fold that book out. All your rules are right there. And uh, the rules for doing the bad guys are very simple. And then sometimes, you know, you might want to run a game just because you want this stuff, right? Like there's Every Exiles game has a set of betterments because that makes the game better, right? Betterments are optional objectives that the governor is trying to, to achieve during the game. And one important role that the betterments serve is to help to help the, uh, the game uh, fit to the story that you're trying to play, right? So the betterments are usually about, like, getting the bad guys to do things that are appropriate for the story or encouraging the, the players to do something that's appropriate for the story. And so the governor, you have a, you have a set of, like, strategic objectives you're trying to get but while you're trying to get them, while you're ruthlessly trying to get your betterments, you're also playing to the story and encouraging that narrative. And then the betterments give you bonus shit, right? So I might want to run a game because one of the betterments, if I get it during the game, will give my character the sexy pants. And the sexy pants might be an item that I really want. And so I'm like, hey, hang on, guys. I'll be the governor today because I really want those sexy pants. Nice. So if you want sexy pants, definitely play as the governor. Well, at least for that scenario, right? Or, or, that, or that event, because that, that event, you know, has a betterment that's, you know, that, that'll give you the sexy pants. So what exactly will sexy pants do in game terms? Ah, the sexy pants are one of my favorite items. Um, the reason why I like the sexy pants is, uh, is because <laughs> we get almost all the illustrations for our items from period catalogs, because the conceit of the items is that they come from the Sawborn and Keter mail order catalog. And so I try to use actual period 19th century catalog uh, illustrations for all the item cards. And so the sexy pants came from a, um, uh, I think it was a Sears and Robux catalog, and it's a it's a little drawing of a of a of a person modeling boys biking shorts, but he has this really abjectly sexy pose for modeling these biking shorts. <laughs> so I made these sexy pants. Uh, but in game terms, what the sexy pants do is they 
give you what's called the twinkle toes skill. So you get the twinkle toes skill for free while you have the pants. And once you use the twinkle toes skill, you get a cheating token, right? So once you wiggle your ass a little bit, you get your, you get a, you get something else for free because your, your pants are sexy. All right, then. <laughs> twinkle toes, by the way, is a, is a, is a skill that the bandits have. The bandit persona um, is one of their, their, uh, their main skills. Uh, in game terms, and if you want to do like crunchy strategic rules bullshit, Twinkle Toes has one uh, has has two different uses. You can use it for it. One of them allows you to re-roll any dice in a moving in a movement related roll. So if you're trying to run real fast, you can re-roll your dice if you get shitty rolls. Or if you're trying to like stand up uh, from being prone, or if you're trying to like leave combat with a bad guy, it'll let you re-roll those dice. And the other thing it does is it lets you resolve your haul and ass action immediately. So most actions in Exiles are what we call, well, you don't want to call them anything. Most actions in Exiles happen immediately. So if you're going to take the run action, for example, run is a move-in action that you take in the move-in phase, and it just means you move your model four inches, right? So when you're going to do that action, you just pick up your model and move it right away. If you're going to shoot a guy, you just say, I'm shooting that dude, you roll your dice, that's it. Some actions are what we call declare actions. So instead of actually doing the whole action, you put a token next to your model, to say that you're going, you're, you have declared that action. And then at the end of the phase, you resolve that action, right? So after the bad guys go, right? Um, so what that means is that in the doing phase, if you want to move, you've got to declare that you're going to move and then get shot at by a bunch of bad guys. And then if you're still alive, you can then run, right? Whereas Twinkle Toes lets you say, all right, I'm going to move my model right away before the bad guys can do anything, right? So you can like, if you're trying to run across a big open space uh, with no cover, you can move right out into the middle of the street and then use Twinkle Toes to take your run action before the bad guys get a chance to shoot at you. So it's a very, it's a very crunchy way to make your character more mobile on the table. Okay, so it makes them more mobile, less of a moving target. Nice. Yeah, exactly, right, yeah. But if you have sexy pants, it, it, it gives you that skill. And then <laughs> if you use your Twinkle Toes, you also get uh, a free cheating token. Nice, nice. <laughs> So basically, so here's my question. Are you going to put somebody in bike shorts in the game to say they have sexy pants? <laughs> uh, you know, maybe, maybe. You'd be surprised how, how unsexy these bike pants are. The only thing sexy about the, uh, <laughs> about the image is, uh, is the way the, way the guy is standing, where he's got his like, hands behind his head and his like, crotch is like, thrust out. Um, but uh, it's really, it's just knickers, right? So it's like pants that go down to your knee above some stockings. So right. they're really the pants in themselves are not sex, sexy at all. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I imagine that they have a really tight ass. That's what makes them sexy. Is a, is a really tight ass. So when you're when you're sprinting, you know, across the across the street, in your sexy pants, I imagine all the bad guys are like, "Holy shit! I've got some strange feelings bubble up inside me." Because look at that. <laughs> <laughs> look at that guy hustle. <laughs> Why do I feel like this should be a sheep? <laughs> <laughs> I've been out on the trail way too long. Yeah. <laughs> Leave me alone, boys. Those pants are too sexy for us to deal with. Yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah now that's got to be a model. You just need to make him a gentleman. Because <laughs> it just makes sense. I think, I think maybe to, uh, we have a, we're, we're designing our, our second mini campaign that we're actually going to release uh, with a miniature. That's true. It should be out in quarter one, 2017. But there, there is a... Uh, 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 a bad guy in there that could easily be represented by that little biker bike shorts model. So I'll make sure to, to use that bike shorts model for that, for that character. That'll be just for you, Tim. Ah, uh, yes. That's gotta be a thing now. I yeah, want to see this. Yeah. I'll make sure to give him twinkle toes one. <laughs> Hot pants McGurk. Yeah. <laughs> of course he needs a big wheel too. <laughs> Oh man! Now Tim's getting creepy, right? Oh There's no! Only... You don't want to go down that rabbit hole at all. <laughs> we're gonna avoid that part, so we're gonna move on a little bit. So you were saying, you were saying that uh, you you have some new releases coming out uh, quarter one, twenty seventeen. Yes. Now this might be too businessy because we've been talking about how awesome this game is the whole time. <laughs> how are you planning releases? Because that's one thing that, like, especially in today's market and not to talk all corporate hoary business shit but like a lot of people start going and you, you probably see this a lot even looking at kickstarters where people look at a kickstarter and they go that's awesome what comes immediately afterwards and you're like fuck man let me get through my kickstarter campaign 
Well, the or, nice, you know, let me release the game first. The nice thing about Exiles is that we didn't do a Kickstarter and the game has been released. So, so it's out there now. Um, right. And now that it's out there, we are planning new releases. So we have a whole slate of new releases uh, in, in progress right now. And the way we're going to release those is, well, I guess there's a, I guess I should say there's a, there's a bunch of different kinds of products we have. So, um, the first thing we have is, uh, we have our campaign sets. So we have, you know, those come with, you know, a bunch of bad guys of a new faction and it has a, a, a campaign with a bunch of, uh, you know, some, has some fiction in there, has some fun fluff and has some cool illustrations. And, um, that will give you more games to play, some stories to work into your campaign. And then we have our Persona packs. So the first thing we released in our Wave 1 products, or like Here is Exiles products, we released our six regular Persona character types. And regular Personas are badasses of the regular frontier variety. So we have Bandit, Doctor, Gentleman, Gunslinger, Rowdy, and Trapper. So just normal, everyday, Wild West archetypes. But we have a whole bunch of other Personas that are not regular front badasses, right? And, and, and that's going to be our, one of our main releases. So hopefully in December, depending on how things come together, uh, the sculptor is working on the models for it right now. In December, we are planning on releasing our Wallburn Persona Pack, which is our first Tier 1 Persona. So the way the Exiles game works is that um, there, there are three tiers of Personas that uh, are grouped in, like, tiers of ascending badassery. So we're going to have like six tier one personas, six tier two personas, and six tier three personas. And the idea behind uh, tier personas is that uh, while you're playing a campaign, when you've played a character long enough in the campaign, instead of uh, waiting for that character to die, you can retire your character and say, all right, my gunslinger is too badass. Somehow he miraculously has not gotten shot to death yet. And so I'm going to retire my gunslinger and I'm going to start a brand new character with starting, learning, and starting equipment, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it from a higher tier persona. So inherently, this character is going to be have access to more powerful abilities and cooler abilities. And those tend to be sort of supernatural. So the wall burns, for example, are like, you know, super hillbillies. That's their, that's their shtick. And uh, <laughs> that's our next release. And then after that, of course, we're going to release... Um, mini campaigns that feature um, additional bad guys for the... Um, for the current campaign faction. So we have Troy Hatcher and the Scarbelly gang is our first campaign that comes with the outlaw faction. So all the, all the bad guys are from the, are from the same outlaw faction. And we're going to be releasing a product that has another outlaw boss. So bad guys come in three types. There's bosses, henchmen, and toadies and bosses have a, have a big influence on how the, how the whole faction plays when on the table. And so every faction is going to have some, some outlaw bosses. They come by themselves, just the boss. And they're also going to come with a mini campaign that has, you know, it's like about a third of the, a third of the number of stories and games that come in the regular whole campaign box. And then it'll come with, you know, new cards, new bad guys, new tokens, new, new, new bullshit. So that's our second main type of new release. And then our third main type of new release is new campaign sets. And our next campaign set, they take a, take a lot of effort to develop campaign sets. But we're aiming for that to be released at Gen Con 2017. And then in between there, we're going to have some filler stuff. So we'll have, coming out pretty soon, we'll have a, a deck of, uh, of item cards that just gives you extras of, like, a lot of really useful everyday items. So, like, the Patterson Cattleman is one of our main good pistols. It's just a really good baseline gun to have. And uh, if you bought all the stuff, there's only one Patterson Cattleman and all the stuff. So if, like, two, if two characters, the two players want to buy that gun, you're shit out of luck because you only have one card. You could print it off, or you could, you could go print it off if you wanted to, but because we give them, we give a lot of the cards out for free. But if you wanted an actual printed version of it, you could buy this upgrade deck that just comes with like you know, Patterson Cattlemen and others of common guns and some other new items. And then we're gonna have stuff like new token sets. We're gonna have like uh, we're gonna have, we're gonna make some some idiot miniatures that are actual little metal miniatures used for idiots instead of tokens and things like that. Nice, nice. So you, you definitely, you, you have a lot of varying stuff planned. So it's not like this is, it's not like this was a, a kind of a one shot deal where now you're going, well, shit, now what do we do? Oh yeah. Like there, there's so much that I want to do. Like, like the, the hardest thing for, for like running Mindworm games is pacing ourselves. Like, and it's not, it's not a matter of, of like, well, we can't release too much shit too fast. It's a matter of like how much it costs to develop stuff and what's the timeline behind right. it. So like, 
a new persona pack. I know it costs X amount to develop a new persona pack and it costs X amount to develop a new campaign set because you got to pay the concept artist. You got to pay the, the sculptor. You got to, you know, pay for the materials to make the mold and cast the miniatures. You got to pay to print the cards. You got to design all that stuff. You got to pay the guy to do the layout and the editing for the rule book and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And all that stuff starts adding up quickly. I, I totally get it. Yeah. So the the more the more people buy, the faster releases are going to come out, and I guarantee you that's the case. So basically, what it comes down to is buy more of your shit. Yes, buy, buy more of our shit. Awesome. Yeah, I could definitely see how this would be a fun one to like bust out, especially after drinks have been had, and because yeah, or, at that point, or, uh, potty mouths can fly. Yeah, or have drinks during. Like, uh, um, I think uh, one of our, I think it'll be in a blog post soon because, guys, social media takes so much freaking effort. Anyhow, but in a blog post relatively soon, I'm going to start a series that's all about my preferred house rules for Exiles. And our first house rule is going to be um, my favorite house rule, which is the spirit of the game. And the, uh, the spirit of the game rule, uh, which I always play with, is um, uh, you can always get an extra reroll on your die if you take a shot. And so the spirit of the game is not like some <laughs> some hippy dippy bullshit about you know being nice to each other. The spirit of the game is like the liquor you have on hand while you're playing the game to take those shots. That's that could be awesome. That's one of those that I think you'd almost want to record it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think on, I think we have a Facebook Live where we were playing with those rules, <laughs> and I'll do another. I, that, that's a good idea. I'll, I'll do another Facebook Live where I get together with my my buddies and we play Exiles, and we will use the spirit of the game. <laughs> Because we always do, we always do when I play. The the interesting thing about the spirit of the game is that it does, it does increase the. It makes it harder to kill the characters, right? So the characters have an easier time of it because mathematically, the spirit of the game uh, makes it a lot easier to succeed in your roles. Like so, there's some hard math and like how good it is. The trade off is um, now you have drunk players who are making really bad decisions. So I, and personally, I think it balances out. Right. You just hope that you have the idiot drunks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if you're not sure who the idiot drunk is at the table, it's probably you. Well, Exiles is... Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's usually me, right? Um, Exiles is, um, is an intensely cooperative game. So even if you only have one or two idiot drunks in, uh, around the table, um, because, because characters rely on backup from the other characters so intensely, um, it, it has an effect on everybody if one person's being an idiot. Right, so if somebody goes running out there, like two guns blazing, completely gung-ho, that unless they roll like a god, they're going to die. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like, uh, it's like Left 4 Dead, right? Like, if you're playing Left 4 Dead, and you're like, got like three guys who are like, yeah, gung-ho, all right, we're going to go out here, and we're going to cover that fire, you know, that field of fire, and I get this field of fire, we're going to do all this thing, and there's some jagoff who, like, runs off and gets eaten, like, triggers a horde of zombies and gets eaten, now you're like dragging him around and trying to put bandages on him and he's slowing you down. Now everybody gets killed by zombies. Like, fuck! What's wrong with you? Well, you always got that one prick that goes running out there, finds the tank, and manages to run all the way back to the yeah, party. all the way back to the party. Like, what are you doing? Jenkins. Yeah, exactly, yeah. right. Right. And I, actually, uh, one of our... <laughs> one of the names of our... One of the names of our, our, our first betterments is uh, Leroy Johnson. Because <laughs> the bad guy... The bad guys go running out of cover. And they try to kill you because the goal for this betterment is that you have you have bad guys that die outside of cover. So they start in the trees because they're ambushing you. And uh, the goal as the governor is to move them out and get have them get killed in the open in the middle of the street. <laughs> because the, the backstory behind that is that the the uh, the gang leader, Troy Hatcher, um, he ha- he's, ha- he's having a little bit of a spat with one of his henchmen, like one of his big main dudes. And that guy is. Uh, nephew is in the gang and so Troy Hatcher wants that guy to get killed in a gunfight and so he's like go out there yeah just like send send all the morons to this gunfight <laughs> he wants he wants uh, he wants little little Jimmy to get killed so, he's got to get rid of C team yeah he's got to get rid of C team so he's calling the herd a little bit so and that's another thing about the betterments is that the it's also a game balance issue and so you don't have to really think too hard about, like, as a governor, like, I've got to balance the game and whatnot. Because one, one of the difficulties in Exiles is because it's closer to an RPG than it is to a skirmish war game. Like I normally say about RPGs, the game master can always hose the players because it's your fucking game, right? Like, you're, you're the game master. You can make things as hard as you want, basically. Um, 
and we like to leave things really open in Exiles in terms of like what bad guys you take and how many you put on the table and how how long the game goes, because you ha- also have to kind of dynamically scale it to how badass the characters are, right? Right. Um, but the betterments, uh, these objectives are written to help keep maintain that balance of the game. So they're disguised as really fun shit that gets you cool loot, and they're disguised as things that fit the story of the game. But one thing we all we never do with our betterments is we never write them so that it's advantageous to dirt roll to all the characters, right? Right. It's always about the story and not about just killing everybody on the table. Because honestly, the governor, if you wanted to kill all the characters, you totally could. Yeah, I could. I could see where that would uh, become an issue if, if like one of the goals is to like an ass- is to successfully assassinate members of the party. Because that that would all of a sudden be like, well. If this is giving me a betterment, why wouldn't I want to play the governor more often? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and then and then you know it's um uh there, there's lots of situations where you know if you're trying to um if you're trying to achieve a betterment, it might be very advantageous to dirt roll a character, right? You might want to be like, I'm that guy is going to fuck up my plans because I have to do X, Y, Z. And this guy is going to stop it because he's really good at stopping what I'm trying to do. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to all my dudes murder that guy. And he's going to be bleeding out in the dirt. And then I'm going to leave him alone because I don't want him fucking with my plans. And now I'm going to go off and do my other stuff. But the idea, that's, again, it's also part of game balance because you know a healthy amount of character turnover is, all, is good for any game. Right, any yeah. game where you have character development, you have to have characters retire, leave the game, get murdered, because nobody likes it when everybody's a Billy Badass, right? right? And Exiles is very good at encouraging that kind of character turnover. But what you don't want, because Exiles is so cooperative, you can have a house of cards situation. So, a, like, the biggest oopsies as the governor is a total party kill. Right? That's the biggest oopsies. It's like, oh shit. Uh, now everybody's bleeding to death and there's no way they can save themselves and they're all going to die. That's not fun for anybody, but that's the biggest, because Exiles is so tactical and so dangerous. Um, it's actually a very hard game to play. If you really like, get down and gritty with it, um, their biggest danger as the governor is murdering everybody. But we don't, I didn't want a situation where, you know, like everybody knows the governor, the governor is going soft on you. Like that doesn't, doesn't feel entirely right. And no, so it I takes wanted a challenge out of it. Yeah, exactly, right. So I wanted to make sure the governor always has things that you're like abjectly focused on doing. Like I want to do these things. I don't care what the characters are doing. I, my goal is to do these things. And once I'm done with those things, great gravy and then we can play the rest of the game, but like my goal from from before I even put models down, my goal is to do these things. How am I going to do it? And your entire game you're playing to get those things. And they're not always easy. Um, and then the characters also have a tough job to do. Because they're 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 trying to get achieve whatever objective they're trying to achieve, and then also not die. Right, which you know usually the second one is the one that is really important, especially if you're a living person, is the not die portion. Yeah, yeah, but, the not uh, die portion. <laughs> live to fight another day. Yeah, one or two, one or two dumbasses dying on occasion—that's perfectly fine. Right, that's okay. You just don't want everybody to die because then it's like, what do we do now? Let's all make new characters, I guess. Yeah. So, how long does the character creation process take? Uh, yeah, so that's a great question. Um, it can take as, as long or as quick as you want it to, really, um, which is kind of a squidgy answer, but I'll explain myself. So um, making it, uh, every, every Exiles character starts with $10 to buy stuff and 45 learning to buy skills. And so all you have to do is pick your persona. Like, I want to be a gunslinger. And then you have 45 learning. You spend that on your skills. You have $10 to buy stuff. And if you bought a persona pack, That'll come with 33 different items that you can spend your starting money on. And any money you get during the lifetime of your character, you can spend on that or any other cards you have, right? Any other cards that you want to buy, right? But that box will come with 33 cards that are your personal cards. Like, these are Benson's cards. And I don't have to ask anybody whether my character can buy this shit unless the governor wants me to not buy something for some reason. But, like, I don't have to borrow somebody's card to buy these things. These are my cards. Um, and making a character that way, it can take, you know, 10 minutes. It can take, you know, 30, 40 minutes if you're really trying to get design a character that, that uses all your learning and has a really good combination of skills starting out. Um, but if you don't want to fuck with that, all of our Persona packs also come with two pre-made characters because the Persona packs come with two miniatures. You get two different models representing characters from that Persona. And then you also get, uh, you get two blank character sheets, and then you get two character sheets that are pre-filled out. And those have uh, 45 learning spent and uh, $10 spent on stuff. So it'll, it'll, have you, it'll tell you all the starting skills for that character. 
and it will tell you what equipment that character starts with. And we made sure that all those were like 45 learning spent and $10 spent. So it spends all your learning and all your skill and all your money. And all you have to do is pull that character sheet out, pull the items out of the box and you're good to go. Awesome. So it's even got something there for people that are just like, you know what? We don't have a lot of time. Let's just whip together a new character and just use this one. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. Just grab the persona, grab the pre-filled out character sheet, grab the model and uh, the cards and you're good to go. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we are actually reaching that hour point, which I know never seems to happen slowly. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Nick, is there anything else you want to throw in there at the end? Since apparently, you know, I gave you ample time to talk and you just sat there like an asshole. I know, total asshole. You know, <laughs> it was just, it was all Benson. He just kept talking and I just, you know, fell asleep. He's a guest. He's supposed to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My indicator too, so I'm a little, I'm a little buzzed. Ah, uh, you know, that's perfectly oh, I mean, legal. It was great. Uh, I, you know, I've I've enjoyed it. Uh, you know, you and I have talked pretty extensively. You know, since I randomly messaged you on Facebook. Yeah, we're Facebook friends now. Are, are we friends? Did you actually, you know, accept a friend request? I don't know. Whatever. I don't. We don't need those formal labels. Yeah, we don't need the formal. We're, we're buddies, right? We're oh, buddies. I see. I see. <laughs> but um, yeah. So uh, one random question, or you know, question about a random thing. You know, so you know, I have some exile stuff, or you know, yes. everything. You have um, all the stuff. So when I you know opened up the uh, package, there's there's playing cards on the top. Just a yes. playing card. Yes, there is. So uh, all of our first production run Persona packs, and maybe some of our first production run of our um, wall room Persona packs, and maybe some of our other new releases, uh, will come with those cards. Um, I don't know what those cards are for, but you should hang on to them. <laughs> all right. I wouldn't, awesome. wouldn't because lose them. I, yeah, no, no, I, I'm not. And I thought they were pretty neat. And, you know, it's like, oh, this is cool, you know. I wonder, and I read through all the rules. I'm like, nope, it still doesn't talk about the cards. I talked to you about some other things, no mention of the cards. So, you know, it was finally like, huh, what the fuck are these cards for? Yeah, I don't know. Um, Nothing. They, they're in there. Uh, all I can <laughs> say is they're in there, and, uh, and uh, you know, it would be a bad idea. Like, I, 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 could, I don't know what they're for, but all I can say is that um, I, I have a, a really strong feeling that it would be a good idea to not throw those away. <laughs> well, I wouldn't throw them away anyways because they are they're pretty sweet-looking cards. So. Yes. So, you know, they're totally worth it. But I didn't miss anything. There isn't, you know, something randomly not there. So. No. And some of your box, some of the boxes might have a shell casing in them. I, I've noticed that people have been telling us that we, they found some, some bullet casings in their, in their boxes. I don't know what that's about, but I would probably hang on to those too. <laughs> awesome. All right. I, I don't think I found any shell casings, though. Ah, bad luck. Uh, apparently. Who, who doesn't want treasures like that? Uh, or to right? be an accessory to a murder. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of where I was leaning. Glad I wasn't the only one. <laughs> awesome. So, Benson, whore your stuff up. Where can we find you at? Uh, yeah, you can find us at mindwormgames.com, M-I-N-D-W-O-R-M.com, if, uh, if you're an idiot. And uh, on all of our social media, we have Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. That's all mindwormgames. Um and uh, you'll find our web store on our website. Uh, it's on a little link at the top called store, and that'll take you right to our web store. And um, uh, most, of our, most of the action happens on Facebook. Um, our weirdest shit happens on Twitter because uh, uh, apparently the, uh, the, the, the social media um, uh, wisdom, so I mean, we have a social media manager who's awesome because I'm terrible at it, um, but apparently the, the prevailing wisdom is that Twitter is, is, is a do whatever you want to do. So... I do whatever I want to do on Twitter, and then our Instagram is, like, slightly more curated, and then our Facebook is, like, we try to make sure, you know, we were careful with what we say on Facebook, so there's, you know, because there's analytics for curse words and shit like that. Yeah. Although, you know, I, I'm, I'm off the chain on occasion. So I think right, right now we have, a, we have a blog post from our website post on the Facebook page that's uh, called Being the Fucking Governor. Um, which I'm sure has hurt our ratings in Facebook somewhere. <laughs> somewhere our social media manager's like, stop using curse words in your titles. Right, so in that case, you just, you know, keep uh, keep putting it out there on Twitter until Leslie Jones decides to block you. But I digress. Yes. Um, and the last thing I'll say um, is that uh, 
uh, in the month of October, we are releasing some free downloadable content. Um, you can always download stuff for free on our website. So our rule books are free for download on our, on our website. Character sheets are free to download. And we have a selection of bad guy cards and character cards and item cards that you can download. So really, you don't actually need to buy anything from us to play Exiles. You can just you know, make up your own scenarios and play your games. But we have some free downloadable scenarios that are going to be released in October. That's the campaign we ran it. Uh, at Gen Con, and we are also going to sell that as a printed book and printed cards. If you're lazy and don't want to print it off yourself, you can buy it from us. Perfect, perfect. So you've got options for the lazy people with money. Yeah, exactly right. That's exactly what you need. That's who we cater to, the lazy people with money. Awesome. Well, hey, you know, why not? Why I... not? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, t- Tim is a t- – like, uh, 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 Nick is our ideal customer, right? Like a, a Kickstarter, a Kickstarter addict with too much, too many, too many models and not enough time, who uh, who likes the cool shit out in the world. Yeah, yeah, he needs help. There should <laughs> be a support group for that. The nice thing about Exiles, though, is that when you buy it, your wife gets mad at you right then, right? Because it comes, <laughs> it comes to the door like two days later, and then she can be like, "What the hell? What did you just buy?" See, though, if it comes in small packages, she doesn't notice it as much. Exiles, Exiles is pretty obvious. Are I we think talking about the game, Nick, or are we talking about something else? <laughs> <laughs> Ouch! What can I say? That's, I that's, mean... It's very on-brand for Exiles. Thank you. Thank you. Tim. Well, hey, you know, <laughs> you just need to come up with a card. It's called Hung Like a Bull Hamster. Yeah, Hung Thanks. Like a Bull Hamster. I'm writing that down. I'm writing that down right now. Hung <laughs> Like a Bull Hamster. I'll make you that card, Tim. That's for you. I mean, yes. I've, I've it's always... got to go with the sexy pants guy. It's going to go with the sexy pants guy. Like a bull So, so that card pack is just going to have a whole bunch of sexy pants in it, isn't it? Well, maybe. Who knows? It could be a variety of sexy pants. I think, uh, I think I'll put Hung Like a Bull Hamster in there, and I'll send you sexy pants. I'll send you the <laughs> sexy pants character, and I'll also send you our child <laughs> hostage in honor of Nick's really creepy pedophile reference. Whoa. <laughs> and just, I like where this podcast is going. That's just for Nick being a creeper. Just just for you, Nick. How did I end up being the creeper? What what the hell? What did I do? What did you, I do you made now? me blush. You made me blush earlier. I made you blush earlier? Oh yeah. I didn't know that was possible. There's a there's a there's a blush point in <laughs> the podcast. <laughs> astute, astute viewers, astute viewers can 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 re re listen to the podcast because that's what you should do. You should listen right. to it twice, right? Astute listen, astute viewers can listen to the podcast a second time and find the blush point. In fact, the first person to find the blush point, I will send you a uh, a free persona pack. So okay, go on Facebook, on. identify the 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 blush point, my blush point, and I will send you a free persona pack of your choice. All right. Well. Now that you've said that, we gotta we gotta make sure that uh, we actually timestamp it so we remember. But, uh, <laughs> it can't be one of you assholes. No, one, of, no. one of your one of your no, listeners. No, we'll we'll let the listeners, you know, all like <laughs> negative five of them, you know, try and guess. All right. Well, in that case, I think this is a great part to wrap up the episode. So, <laughs> thanks for coming on, man. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. Awesome, awesome. This will wrap up episode, holy shit, this is 36 of Skirmish Supremacy. Yes, yes it is, 36. Damn, well, okay. Thanks for listening to episode 36 of Skirmish Supremacy, where, again, Nick proves that he is still a pedophile. Thanks for listening. I I didn't... Thanks for listening to another episode of Skirmish Supremacy. To see more of the antics that Nick and I do, you can check us out on Facebook at Skirmish Supremacy, we also have Twitter, which we can be reached at Skirmish Supreme, because apparently Skirmish Supremacy does not fit in Twitter. And if you want to email us directly, you can reach us at Tim at SkirmishSupremacy.com or Nick at SkirmishSupremacy.com. Thanks for listening.